1% Better is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Colts ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then it shows you all the last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Remember now, this is just an easy two-tap checkout process, which is amazing. So head to the App Store or Play Store and download the GameTime app and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get one percent better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. It is one percent better. We are back on a Monday, a gloomy Monday in Indianapolis. Expecting a little snow, Zach, and uh, it seems appropriate. Uh, it's a pretty black Monday what for the Colts. What did we just watch? <laughs> wow, 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 wow! It happened. The the Colts found a way somehow on God's green earth. To lose to the Miami Dolphins 16 to 12 on Sunday. Peyton Manning and Dwight Freeney and all the Colts greats in town for that Ring of Honor induction, Zach, got to witness. That. I hope they left in the third quarter. <laughs> I hope they said, the hell with this. Pe- I'm out. Peyton Manning <laughs> is never coming to another Colts game. <laughs> I don't think he'll ever come back to that building. <laughs> he shouldn't have to sit through that. He shouldn't have to be, you know, forced into that kind of suffering. That was, oh man, I listen. I think we were pretty clear last week that, at least I, I, I hope we were, that, look, don't ever take a game for granted. Uh, Jacoby was hurt, and, you know, they had that backdrop, uh, no T.Y. Hilton, some other guys out, you know. So we we knew this wasn't something that we could just kind of assume would happen, that they would win this game. But, I mean, man, it, it was – I thought it would take more than that for the Dolphins to win. <laughs> you know, I, I just... The funny thing was, it it didn't. I mean, no. the Colts literally, they just were the worst team on the field Sunday. Right. And I don't care who's hurt. I don't care. T.Y., Jacoby Brissett, Pierre Desir, Paris Campbell. doesn't matter. You're at home against a one-win team. You're a playoff team, or you were supposed to be a playoff team. And you absolutely just fall apart. I mean, that's embarrassing. And Frank Reich said it. He said we were outcoached and outplayed. And it's even more jarring when you think about the Dolphins are giving up 32 points a game, 150 on the ground. And the Colts literally just, I mean, they just threw up on themselves. Oh, they wet the bed. There's no question. Uh, So let's talk about the implications here. They have relinquished their you know their playoff position basically they are now on the outside looking in they've only played nine games so we got a long way to go but they have made this infinitely more difficult on themselves uh they they can't touch the houston texans right now who are in first place all alone in the afc south and for all of of all the teams who leapfrogged them in the wild card race it's the pittsburgh steelers okay who they should have beat last week so they're really just they're they're kind of creating their own demise here, <laughs> okay? By come on, yeah. I mean, this is this is them completely wasting the great start they had. They were five and two, and they were feeling pretty good about themselves, right? They go to Kansas City, they win, they come home, they beat the Texans. They're in first place in the division 
with a very, very comfortable November coming up. And I I hesitate to use the word comfortable because we're right. talking about the Indianapolis Colts and they can find a way to lose to anybody as they proved yesterday. They go to see they go to Pittsburgh, they lose because they can't make a forty yard field goal at the end amidst a, many other errors. Then they come home against one of the worst teams in the NFL and they lose. And who knows what team shows up next week against Jacksonville, but this is a much tougher slate in December. You're talking about in late November, you're going to go to Houston. Then you're going to play the Titans, who just beat the Chiefs. Then you got to go to Tampa Bay and New Orleans back-to-back. Then you play the Panthers, who are a good team this year. Then you end in Jacksonville. So this is the bed they made. They're going to have to lay in it. And it's ugly right now because they just gave up all that cushion they had built over the last the first five weeks all of right, the season. All right, so I'm going to ask a really ridiculous question, but I think it's, it's worth asking. Uh, are the Colts good? <laughs> like, I, is that where we're at? Like, is that a fair question right now? I think it, no, no, it's definitely a fair question. But so I'm not even going to ask that. Is it? Is it true? Are they? <laughs> That's a hard question to answer. Yeah, they're good some days and they're pretty bad other days. I asked a couple of guys in the locker room yesterday something very similar. I was like, "Who are you guys?" And Jack Doyle took a long time to answer because he wanted to say they were good, but mm. the way they played Sunday. Can't You'd say be an it. idiot to say that. You can't lose to a one no. and seven team and tell me you're good. Good good teams good teams beat the Dolphins. I don't care who's playing. You know, I don't care who's playing quarterback and receiver. They don't good even want to win. The <laughs> they literally don't want to win. The Miami Dolphins. They don't want to win. They're tanking. I know. Right? I mean, I don't know if Brian Flores and the players are tanking, but the organization certainly is tanking. And that's the team you lose to. I yeah. mean, listen, this is this is the worst loss. I gotta believe this is the worst loss of Frank Reich's time here. I mean, they they had some doozies last year. Yeah, I, they I'm with you on that. The Jets, the loss Jets was game terrible. last year was bad, but he, you know, that was a game where they they put some points on the board. You know, they kind of they looked like an NFL right. team yesterday. Yesterday was an embarrassment. Yeah, I mean, no business losing that game. So here's what I'd say uh, in in terms of whether they're good. I think that they. At full strength, and when they're executing, they're a good team. But I think, boy, they're a much better team. Well, when yeah, Allen's out there, zero and seven all time. That's a big part of it. And but I do think that a couple of things. I thought they, I thought their depth was a little better. Uh, I, I now wonder about that. Okay, because the injuries have kind of exposed. Yeah, it. Uh, they have good depth. Like when a guy misses a game here and there, but when the injuries start to really pile up, yeah. that depth is not the same. But that's true for a lot of teams. Fine. Uh, the other thing I'd say is that I I feel like last year, so much of what they did in that, that stretch of the last 10 games, I feel like a lot of that was – adrenaline is the wrong word, but like they were kind of – they didn't know any better, you know? And, and I feel like this year there's a little more pressure on them. And there's expectations. Even after yeah. Andrew Luck retired, there still were expectations. And especially when you start five and two, you're in first place. Now, you know, you're not scratching and clawing. Now, you know, you're the hunted. And they haven't handled that well at all. I mean, like so many disappointing performances just all over this roster. And and I don't know. I mean, coaching can only take you so far. And and looks, and there's some criticisms there too. But I just think some of these guys just haven't just haven't handled that situation very well. 
I was talking to, of all people, Quentin Nelson yesterday. And Quentin is not a very expansive guy in interviews. But he said, look, I'm tired of us playing down to our opponents. We do it every week. He's like, we need to start preparing like we're playing the best team in the world every week because that's when we play our best. Yesterday was a damning example of that. I mean, they literally scored no points in the first half against a Dolphins team that's trying to lose games. Um, and the offensive line is, is partly for blame. They, they did not bring it in the first half yesterday. And there was one play where Hoyer just got jacked from just completely straight up the middle. And you start to wonder what is going on with this unit right now. They did play better in the second half and Marlon Mack got going a little bit. But it wasn't good enough. And I don't know what they're doing right now in terms of the offensive line, but that's supposed to be the backbone. And that's supposed to be the one thing you can lean on when everything else in the offense is hurting, right? The quarterbacks hurt. The best receivers are hurt. Ebron is an issue and not producing like he did last year. You're supposed to be able to lean on your healthy running back in your offensive line that changed the entire culture last year. And they haven't been able to. That's the bottom line. They've been okay but they are not carrying the team like a lot of people expected them to. And, and that's a problem because I'm not I'm not throwing this on the defense. I think over the last month, the defense has held up. The defense has done its job, put in a lot of short fields and a lot of bad situations. They're, they're playing winning football. And I'm blaming this on the offense and I'm blaming this on the kicker because that's just – it's an exhausting situation we're in right now with Adam Vinatieri. But I thought Bob Kravitz's column – Hit it on the head. Like, are they willing? And this starts at the top. This starts with the GM, Chris Ballard, and it goes down to Frank Reich, who also has input in roster decisions. Are they willing to risk a playoff spot because of their unblinking faith in a guy who's costing them games right now? It's as simple as that. I actually do want to hit on Vinatieri a little bit uh, harder and and expand on that thought here. But uh, let's let's uh, take a break here and have a word about DoorDash. So. You're watching that game yesterday and got hungry. You didn't know if you want to leave your couch, you know, because who would want to miss a minute of that action, right? Uh, <laughs> well, now your favorite restaurants, they're on DoorDash. And you can order DoorDash to your front door, uh, all your favorite restaurants in your city, door-to-door delivery in all 50 states, Canada, you name it. Order from your local go-tos, choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners, because we love you, you can get a five. You can get five dollars off their first order of fifteen dollars or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code one. That's O N E, like one percent better. That's five dollars off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store. Enter the promo code one, and don't forget that's promo code one for five dollars off your first order from DoorDash. So again, wouldn't want to miss a minute of action like that. So uh, please take advantage of that offer now. As it relates to Vinatieri, I am so exhausted, Zach. <laughs> I mean, every week. Yeah. So let's every let's set this up. Single week. Let's set this up. So the Colts finally show some life. They score a touchdown. I mean, these points are so precious when when your offense is like a complete is, is like sleepwalking, right? So. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you you can't afford to give away anything. So they go down. They finally get a touchdown. He misses the extra point. So what's the score at that point? 12-10, right? So they miss an opportunity to go up by three. Of course, I believe it's after that that uh, or subsequent to that that Hoyer has that, uh, that interception. And then they obviously right. kick the field goal. Right. Dolphins go up. Uh, well, no, they had a couple more field goals. The point is that 
point loomed large. That's two weeks in a row. These extra points have loomed so large. And, you know, a lot of times we take these extra points for granted. And we should. And that was my question to Frank Reich after the game. Not after this season. (laughs) (laughs) We take them for granted because they're almost automatic. But now we have learned this season what happens when they're not automatic and how large they can loom. I mean, it's like free throws in basketball. You know, it's like you take them for granted that your your star player is going to hit free throws. But when you don't hit them and you sort of look at the box score after a game, you realize, damn, that's how we lost the game. Well, it's not not real different here, man. Uh, they're playing a totally different game plan on that final drive if all he needs three. So that's, that's a good point. And it's it's really alarming that that the situation played itself out like it did because the warning signs were there. They were there in week one. They were there in week two. They were there in week four. I mean, it's just over and over. If you've got to get a field goal on that final drive, that changes everything. You're probably checking down to Naheem Hines. You're probably getting the ball down in that last drive a little bit closer. You're kicking the field goal, and you probably feel pretty good about your odds in overtime, right? I mean, the defense wasn't really giving up a lot. Instead, you're trying three shots at the end zone. You're coming up with nothing, and you're losing to the Dolphins. That's the situation they're in. They have no one to blame but themselves. But this is, I mean, how many times are they going to have to lose a game because of extra points? Remember, this is extra points until they learn their lesson. I mean, this is 21 points they've left on the on the board in a season where the Colts have scored 194 and given up 193. These guys are smarter football people than I am, but even I know this is a liability. This has gone on too long. And, and we're talking like, I mean, this is a 6-2 and two team maybe right now, or even in I mean, even better than that, if, if the kicking game is normal. That's where we're at right now. So what I want to know is one day maybe I'll get Frank Reich drunk. Of course, that's never happening. But maybe one day if that ever happens, uh, you know, we can really get some truth serum from <laughs> from Frank Reich on how he really feels about this situation. And I thought yesterday, right. you know, we had to really ask probably the most pointed questions we have to date about – this situation about the Adam Terry situation. Uh, and look, I think Frank's really out of answers for us. Um, I thought his tone was a little different yesterday. I don't know that anything yeah, so, happens, but, but what did you take from that? Did you sense that? What would you think? It means Frank's human and he sees what's going on. I mean, here's, here's what he said all season, right? We've asked him a million times on this and he's, he's always said, look, we have all the confidence in the world in Adam. I see it in practice. He's the greatest ever, blah, blah, blah. Did not answer that. Did not answer that that way yesterday. He said, um, really, no comment. We've been committed to him, but like everybody, I'd say generally speaking about our whole roster, we're always going to evaluate. Everybody gets measured. Everybody is held accountable. That is flying in the face of what they're doing. Holding everybody accountable for their production, this, this is inherently contradictory because he's the worst kicker in football right now. The stats will tell you that. And you cannot weigh this guy on his career achievements. You have to weigh him on how he's helping your team at this moment. And he's a liability. And I don't want to hear about his practice. I don't want to hear about his track record. I want to see him make kicks on Sundays. And he's missed six extra points, for goodness sakes. So I don't know what it's going to take. Right. So so let's talk about that accountability issue. Because this is where Chris Ballard is completely exposed. And... His message is hollow right now. It just is. And and listen, it, you, yeah. don't, you don't... You can't have one set of rules for one guy and 
every 53, 52 sets of rules for the other guys. Look, and if you've listened to me for any length of time or followed my coverage, you know how I feel about Chris Ballard's about the job that he's done. Uh, not about him, the person. That's irrelevant. It's about the job that he's done. He's a great person. That's not what this is about. I'm talking about the football guy. He's made great decisions. I mean, his fingerprints are all over this team. The draft picks are largely uh, very successful. But at the end of the day, he talked from the day he walked in the door about competition and always you know, high expectations and all of these things. The right? best player will play no matter where they were drafted, no matter how they got to the roster. And here's the thing. They walk the walk. Okay, talk about Deion Kane being waived on Saturday. Okay, we'll see if he clears waivers today. By the way, it's a little subplot here to worry about later in the day. But Deion Kane waived on Saturday. Why was Deion Kane waived? This guy who they had all these high hopes for because he wasn't getting it done because he wasn't producing, and they made an example of him. That's basically what they did. That's my understanding from what I've been told. They made an example of Deion Kane because if you're not getting it done. We are not going to continue to put you on the field. Okay. Yep. I got no problem Everybody's with that. Everybody's got to earn their job. Everybody. I, I got no Except problem with that. The, well, that I, I, I Ex- explain that up. to me. <laughs> explain it to me like I'm five years old. I don't get it. <laughs> you know, so I don't know, man. They, they're, they're going to have to, at some point, Chris Ballard is going to have to account for this. And that's, that's just what this it is. Yeah. You're going to have to. This is absolutely, it's, it's a liability for the team. And it's 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 a black mark on the resume right now for Frank Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. It totally is because if you're going to preach one thing and live another way, it's absolutely it's just contradictory. And it says, you know, I don't think like I'm getting a little bit of this on on Twitter. Let me know what you think. I don't think the locker room is like divided over this. I don't think no. guys are like mad at Adam Vinatieri. I don't think they're like ready to say. You know, we need to get a new kicker. They love this guy. They absolutely love this guy. They will defend him to the death. That's what you want out of your team. The problem is he's costing them games. It's black and white. And as a GM and as a coach, it's your job to give your team the best chance to win every Sunday. He's not doing that. This team with Adam Vinatieri right now, we have ample evidence to say he's not helping his team win. You know, it's funny you say that because I agree with you. They are steadfastly behind him. A a lot of that is that's just what players do. They they circle the wagons. They support their guy, yeah. you know, no matter what. However, if the if the Colts cut Adam Vinatieri five minutes from now and you went and took a poll of that locker room, hey, what's your reaction? Everybody to a man would say, yeah, you know, it's the best thing for the team. Then I agree with them with the decision. <laughs> That's what they'd say. Yeah. No one could be like, right. you know what? Right. You're going to have to drag me out of here screaming because it's me or Adam Vinatieri. You know, and no one's going to do that. No one is going to go to the mat on they this. Know. It's the difference yes. between watching a game on the couch in early January and playing a game in Houston or in whatever city. It's the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs for a team that has nine score, one score games and nine games this season. I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah. And and look, I mean, the, the sad part is no matter what happens here, and, and I don't rule out something happening, but no matter what happens, I mean, look, the damage has largely been done, or at least a lot of damage has been done. I mean, they're on the outside looking in yeah. now when it comes to the postseason. Yeah. So that's where they're at. Hey, let's... Let's talk about – we didn't get into Jacoby Brissett in that situation. Uh, what did you make of that? Because that was a little bit of a subplot in the game too. Uh, obviously, he was ruled out on Saturday. 
and they, yeah. they named Hoyer the starter. But the way that unfolded was a little confusing to me. Uh, did you have any issue with that? And, and I guess we should probably, before I let you answer, let's just, if you missed it after the game, here's what Frank Reich said. He said that uh, Jacoby Brissett took a majority of the snaps in practice, and then they got to Friday, and Frank Reich just didn't see enough progress. He thought he was progress- he would progress further, but he didn't progress past what he said, about 80%. He says he thought he could get to 90 95%. That never happened, and Frank just decided after watching practice tape, you know what, I, I just don't think it's the best decision to put him out there. So ultimately, yeah. that ended up costing Hoyer some preparation. But the point is, um, any questions about how they handled that situation for you? And yeah, uh, yeah what are your thoughts? I have questions. Yeah. So Frank Reich knows the backup quarterback's job as well as anybody. I don't think they gave Brian Hoyer the best chance to succeed. I talked to Hoyer on Friday, and my gut feeling was that Jacoby was going to play. Maybe I was, I was, I was obviously wrong, but the way he ramped up his participation and from everything I heard, he was taking the lion's share of reps yep. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which is the biggest indicator. Yeah, you put in base offense Wednesday, Thursday. You do red zone on Friday and situational stuff. Um, and Hoyer's like, yeah, I got a couple more reps than normal, but not that many. And and then Jacoby's knee isn't good. And he's he's 80% and they don't feel good enough to put him out there, which is probably the right decision. I don't think the right decision was how they handled Hoyer last week. I would have liked to see him get more reps. This is a guy that did not spend training camp with this team, that did not spend OTAs and minicamp with this team running the offense. And sure, he played great in Pittsburgh besides the one mistake, but um, he if you, you need to give this guy prep. You need to get him in there and get him live reps as much as you can do in practice. I don't want to say they were setting him up to fail. I realize that's the job of a backup quarterback. But for a guy with very limited experience in this offense, I think he needs to get every possible rep he can. And they didn't do that last week. And Hoyer was terrible yesterday. He was absolutely terrible. And he cost them. And they lost a game they should have won. And I think that's just – that's mismanagement right there. I mean, you, I just think you give Hoyer more reps in practice last week. And if – I mean, you've got to prepare for the for the reality that Jacoby wasn't ready to go. It's an MCL sprain. I mean, come on. Yeah. And listen, I don't think that – that Brian Hoyer's lack of preparation is the reason they lost. But I will tell you that there are moments in that game where it was absolutely evident because you saw yeah. a miscommunication between him and Eric Ebron. And and Frank Reich talked about that after the game. Uh, Eric Ebron cut to the inside. The ball was thrown to the outside. That ended up being an interception. Uh, there were passes thrown behind guys. Some of those were just inaccurate. And I think others were really a, a result of a lack of chemistry in some cases. So, I just don't – I'm not suggesting that a couple of days of practice reps would make up for months and months of lack of, of practicing with these guys. Of course not. But but Brian Hoyer at least is a veteran enough quarterback that I think he could take advantage of some of that work with those guys in a, in a span of a couple of days. Yeah. I, I think he could actually get a lot out of that. Again, I'm not suggesting he would have played good enough to win the game because he clearly didn't have his fastball yesterday. But – but I do agree with you. They didn't give him the best chance to win. And I don't necessarily blame Frank. I just think that maybe he was too optimistic. Uh, that's the only thing I'd say. That that would be my criticism. Yeah. Was he too optimistic? Yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, maybe he was. Even on Monday, he was like, oh, Jacoby came in and he felt good. You know, but it's another thing if he practices. And then Jacoby practices Wednesday and they feel pretty good. And it's almost like they were like, okay, I think he's going to be out there. And then he wasn't. And they had to roll with Hoyer. And 
Um, ugh, that was ugly yesterday. <laughs> that was ugly. That's ugly quarterbacking play. And you know, there are two things that probably aren't being mentioned enough on this podcast right now. Eric Ebron's touchdown, he was hmm. adamant that it was a touchdown. It was turned into a touchback. Now, definitely, he's got to keep that ball to himself, get all the way down. He claims he had the ball. He had complete possession at first to himself, and he took two or three steps. I asked him about this, you know, several times in the locker room. He was adamant that's a touchdown. If that gets ruled a touchdown on the field, it probably stays a touchdown. Yep. But it was reversed, and they gave up points there, and that was killer. And then later, Darius Leonard, and he was pretty adamant about this as well. He makes an interception, heck of a play, runs it back for a touchdown, and they rule his forward progress was stopped, which was a really odd call because he was still moving and still trying to go forward. And it was just – it wasn't like – usually you see the forward progress call on like a on like a run play when there's six guys around him. Leonard was pretty hot about that, and I think he's got a point. And I even turned to you in the press box and said – the defense is going to have to score points today. We did. It might be the only way this the way this team wins. So bad breaks, but that doesn't excuse how poorly they played as a team. Yeah, I, I will. I have a thought on the Ebron play. I, I think first of all, you, you hit it on the head. Uh, that was a play that was going to the, the ruling was going to stand. However, it was ruled was going to stand because it yeah. was such a bang yeah, bang play. Right. The other thing I would say yeah. is. Damn, what a great defensive play. <laughs> okay. That great, great defensive Unbelievable play. defensive play. Two weeks in a row now, the Colts have been have been the victim of a couple of those. I thought Minka Fitzpatrick's interception last week, I don't think we gave him enough credit for the play that he made there. Okay, now, granted, Hoyer led him right to the ball, but, I mean, he had to go airborne and take that ball away from Jack Doyle and then to take it to the house. I mean, just an unbelievable defensive play. And then yesterday, same thing in the end zone, the Eric Ebron would-be touchdown. The, listen, I, I mean, is it a strict interpretation? Probably a very strict interpretation, but we know that if, if they – if they, the officials, sort of interpret you as going to the ground when you're catching the ball, you've got to maintain that contact all the way through the ground. So they applied that the whole rule. Way. That was the rule they yeah. applied there. Now, Eric Ebron would argue, well, I wasn't going to the ground. I took two steps before I went down. And and I think you could make a case for both. I mean, it's it's a really... It's a really close call. You know, is it is that a football move? Does he have possession and then make a football move? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, and it's in the end zone. You know zone. what the bottom line What's is? What's the impact there? Beat the freaking Dolphins. Yeah. You know, don't rely on these ticky-tack calls in a tight game. You should beat the Dolphins by three touchdowns. You didn't. Here, so here. you got to take your medicine today. Here, here. I agree. Before we continue, a quick word from DraftKings. If you had anything riding on this game, uh, you might have been in trouble. But that's not the case every weekend. Weekends are made for football. You're a fan. You already know that. And with so many college and pro games on the slate, the DraftKings Sportsbook app can make your weekend even better. This week, DraftKings has a pro football promo you won't want to miss. It's simple. Just place a bet on the Colts to win and get $6 for every touchdown they score. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the code FAST, F-A-S-T. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's code FAST for all new and existing users Get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Indiana only. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See the site for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So I, I think that we should also talk about some of these wide receivers. I I mean, such as they are. <laughs> I mean. There so, are wide receivers on the team right now? So, so the, the Dolphins play a lot of man-to-man <laughs> coverage. And. I will tell you, I thought they played pretty well back there. 
And either they played well or these receivers just couldn't get away from that man coverage. I don't think they won their matchups no. down the field. It was really um, disappointing. Pascal had some nice plays. He's he's just he's solid. But your offense is great if Pascal is your third receiver or fourth receiver, which he is. It's just the problem is one through three are hurt. I mean, Marcus Johnson. Promoted on Saturday. Chester, Rod- Chester Rogers had some big plays. He had some nice catches late. Got to give him credit. But – it's like it was like watching a preseason offense yesterday, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> and Marlon Mack. It's a preseason offense in Marlon Mack. I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, it's rough. And I think it, again, there were there were a couple plays worth mentioning. Yes, those those wide receivers did. I thought late in the game, in particular, you know, started to to kind of step up and make a few plays. But uh, here's the thing. You've got man coverage, so that means there's going to be opportunities. You have a quarterback who, no question, he is going to give you opportunities because uh, he has he is what we call in the media room a YOLO quarterback. <laughs> okay, hmm. we've talked about this, right? And he is gonna he, he's gonna put the ball out there. He, Jacoby Brissett is a much different quarterback, right? Jacoby's gonna say, you know what, eh, I don't love that throw. I'm gonna check it down to Naheem Hines. Uh, yep. Brian Hoyer is like, nope, I'm going for it, and he's gonna give those guys chances, but. I know whether he had too much trust in those guys is maybe the question I have, right? And and this became an issue at the end of the game. So this was a, a big point of contention on Twitter, which is where I get all of my ideas, obviously. And I think at the end of that game, you had a, a first and 10 at the 16-yard line. Okay, they're down four. Not a great situation, but you know what? You got three timeouts. You're at the 16-yard line. You're playing the freaking Miami Dolphins. Go in the game. And so what happens? They go first down, second down, third down, fourth down, and don't get a completion until fourth down on fourth and ten. They get eight yards. They're yeah. so yeah. what happened yep. there? They're going they're thrown to the end zone uh on second and third down when there's a man open in the flat both times. And that's the kind of play sometimes you gotta not get greedy there and you gotta take the check down. Naheem Hines can make a guy miss. Maybe he gets in the end zone. Cold Who the hell knows? We'll remember this from many years ago, from probably the most painful loss in franchise history. Much, much different stakes, but they're coming back in that 05 playoff game against the Steelers, mm. and Peyton Manning goes to the end zone three times in a row, and he had Edron James for a check down. He probably could have taken it down to the five. They kick an easy field goal. Instead, Vanderjack misses. Everybody remembers what happens. That came back in my mind yesterday. We're talking about Brian Hoyer here and not Peyton Manning mm. in the playoffs. But... Well, I mean, it's the same I, thing. I totally, didn't like, totally I, the same I didn't things. like the aggression. I didn't like the downfield shots. I, I didn't like the plays at all. At all. And I thought, listen, that was my first question in the press conference to Frank Reich. Hey, Frank, why did you throw the end zone four times? Like, Or not four, but, you know, why so aggressive? Yeah. And he made it very clear. He says, well, we had underneath options on every play. Quarterback makes the reads and acts accordingly, which is as close as he's ever going to come to throwing a guy under the bus. I mean, <laughs> he basically said Brian Horace saw what he saw. He made the decision. We'll live with it. Yeah, and and that's fine. I mean, that that's a absolutely accurate answer. But I just want people to understand that it's not me beating up on Brian Hoyer. All I'm saying is that the next time you beat up on Jacoby Brissett for taking a check down, hey, just be careful uh, what you wish for. Okay, <laughs> because. There are consequences for for going to the other end of the spectrum as they did yesterday. So uh, I want to touch on one positive note for sure. Um, 
We have what? <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Bear with me. We talked okay, a lot okay, last no, week. Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard was great. That's yesterday. what I'm getting. To. I'll give him that. Yeah, we talked a lot last week about Darius Leonard. You heard from him on our podcast last week. If you're a subscriber and heard our exclusive podcast, uh, Darius, I got to say he's he's a man. He, he's a man of his word. He backed it up, and I I think a lot of guys on this team need to go look look at themselves in the mirror and say, Hey, am I? a man of my word and do I respond the way Darius Leonard responded yesterday uh did you what did you expect from Darius are you surprised he played the way he played and what were your thoughts watching him no not at all I mean he was fiery when we talked to him last week and I'll give Darius credit all I want from guys is honesty and and yeah he's he's had some up and down games this year but he stood at his locker he answered every question and he was very passionate about how he felt and he backed it up in a big way, and he poked the ball loose on the very first third down. You know, he talked last week about a lack of splash plays. He had a million splash plays yesterday, it felt like, and it felt like at times like he was the only guy in blue playing yesterday. Like, it literally felt like he was the only guy bringing it. I will give Kari Willis some credit. He played pretty well, and he's quietly having a very good rookie season. Justin Houston, um, I, I should say the, as well. Yeah. Yep, yep. Let's not forget Houston, who's got, I think, a sack and four straight, maybe five. Hmm. Um, but... That's that's the Darius Leonard the Colts need. He was bringing the juice on the day no one else had juice. He should have had a pick six. I mean, that guy was absolutely haunting the Dolphins' offense yesterday and reminded me a little bit what we saw in a couple of his breakout games last year. Yeah, so I just want to read his stat line real quick here. 13 tackles, uh, 11 of those solo, by the way. A sack, two tackles for loss, quarterback hit, an interception, two pass deflections, and a forced fumble. I forgot about the force fumble, actually. That's right. Yep. That did happen. I mean, that's as stat-packed a game as Darius Leonard has ever had. Uh, and and I actually feel a little bad for the defense to some extent this year because, I mean, they have – I feel like they've held up their end of the bargain, man, especially these last two weeks. Uh, you allow 16 points in, in a, you know your home stadium. I mean – 16 points in the NFL, man. I mean, come on. You got to, you got if your defense gives you 16, you got to win that game. That's number one. And I thought last week, uh, certainly they, I think they gave up 24, but you got to factor in that pick six, okay? And, and some of the short fields they had. So uh, they've had a rough go of it on defense, but I think they have given this team every chance to win uh, where possible. I, I don't know that there's a lot of, a lot of losses this season that I put on the defense. I think the season opener was their worst game, and yeah. I, I don't give them a lot of credit for that performance. But Oakland I, was bad. Oakland like, won great. I mean, I, I swear, I feel like something changed that night in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and they've played very consistently since. There have been a couple big plays they've allowed, but Matt Eberflus deserves a lot of credit. You Even with all these penalties on Rakusin, who played better yesterday, the defense has played winning football the last five weeks, and they've only won – you know, two of them. Yeah, so let's look ahead now. All right, I mentioned the division landscape a little earlier. Uh, first of all, I guess the bigger question is, does Jacoby Brissett come back? Because I think with Jacoby, they win probably both these games. I, I really believe that. But Like like as you wrote. Right. Like, man, I yeah. appreciate Jacoby Brissett even more after yesterday. That dude needs to get back ASAP. Yeah, I mean, you have to feel optimistic. The f- given the fact that he was close this weekend, but again, uh, they thought he was going to be able to go and he wasn't. So who the hell knows, right? But but let's just let's just take it based on what we know right now. Let's let's say let's say he comes back next week. I mean, they got to get that Jacksonville game. And but I tell you what, though, I mean it's 
Jacksonville is going to make you earn it. I mean, Nick Foles is coming back, right? So uh, what's he going to look like? Is that going to be a challenge for the defense? They run the ball very well. That defense has given this offense fits for several years now. But, I mean, that's now a high-stakes game for this team. And then they go to Houston after that. I mean, what what are your anticipations? Will they – I thought last week was going to get their attention and that they would pull it together this week. That didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) You were wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that going to happen? Interesting conversation with Jack Doyle about this after the game. And he's like, look, he's like, you know, he's done this for five, six years. He's like, there's always – there's always a dud. Like one 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 game a year, it always feels like there's a dud. This is my word, not his, but he's basically saying like you just have one of these games that are just inexplicable. inexplicable. And he, I think he's meaning, you know, I think last year their dud was in Jacksonville when they lost 6-0 to zero in December, and it was kind of like, what happened? How did you guys not score? And they kept the momentum going after that. They went to Houston, they won, and they got in the playoffs. So I think you got two, you know, you got two ways you can go. You can figure it out, get healthy, and get back to doing what you were doing in October. Or this could be a point where it's like, ah, the Dolphins game, they were just never the same after that. I think T.Y. coming back and I think Brissett coming back really picks this team up. I think they'll play with a little bit more fire on offense against the Jaguars. But it's just inexplicable to lose to the Dolphins at home. It's a That's a free victory, as close as you're going to come to a free victory in the NFL. And like you said, they they went to bed. <laughs> yeah, so this is without question the most pivotal point in their season. So, yeah, they're either going to man up or they're going to get what they deserve. And there's just nothing else to say. So, uh, I think that this is also a big moment. I think for Frank Reich because he has got to n- number one. He's got to he's got to find some solutions in terms of scheme and offense. He's got to find solutions right now because yeah. they, they've got a lot of guys down. Uh, they're going to have to get creative. I mean, they looked for a spark yesterday from Ebron. I think he gave him a spark at times, and other times he hurt him, right? So uh, he's looking for something. He's searching. Eric Ebron played 61 snap, 61% of the snaps, his most of the season. Why? Because that's where they're at. They're desperate. Uh, so, yeah. so Frank Reich's got to find solutions. That's the first thing. But he also, at the same time, he's got to – He's got to get this team to steal itself and to pull itself together. And I will tell you, there aren't many coaches in the NFL who I think are better at that than Frank Reich. But I also uh, will also add that the challenge here is so great because this is rock bottom. <laughs> this is literally rock bottom. This is one in five. Like yeah. This is like one in five last year. That's, that's what this is. It's rock bottom. I would, I would love to hear the conversations going on at Colts headquarters right now. Between Chris Ballard and Jim Versay and Frank Reich, the three figureheads atop of this organization, and how they they deal with the reverberations of this loss. I mean, this is this is an indictment of where they're at right now. That this can happen. So um, the track record is really good for all three of those guys. I don't think this is a loss that will define their season, uh, but they need to figure some things out because this is this speaks to things that are like you said earlier, the depth that we thought was there, maybe not as there. Deion Kane, guys like they depended on, not stepping up when the door is wide open. And Brian Hoyer, you gave a lot of money to him. He was absolutely terrible yesterday. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, if you came here looking for answers, I'm sorry, folks. I don't know. I don't have any for you. <laughs> it is what it is. You saw the hey, game. Hey, we kept it real, though. Hey, we did do that. 
we did do that. Hey, like I like we always talk about after the game. If you think our podcast is real, you should sit in the press box with us after the game. Yeah. Oh, now that would be a podcast. It would have to come with a parental advisory, probably, but uh, it would be entertaining <laughs> as hell. So we'll have to uh, get our producer to come up with some ideas. Maybe we can work something out. So anyway, uh, let's wind this down. Uh, we'll see what happens this week on the injury front. I think it's a big week for Devin Funches. Uh, does T.Y. Hilton make a return? Potentially. Could he be closer? Uh, we'll see. I think he I, could be closer I, than people originally think. Yes. I do Based think on there's kind of a what chance, a small chance. So stay tuned yeah. on T.Y. Hilton. Yeah. And they then certainly Paris Campbell ain't coming back yet. Yeah. And then certainly, obviously, the quarterback, big week for him. So, look, I mean, maybe things turn. Things could turn this week on the on the health front. And and that obviously has a direct result on what happens on the field. So, so we'll see. Stay tuned. Hang in there. Uh, keep your head up. <laughs> and seven games to go. That's all I can tell you. We'll see what happens. But that's it for hey, us. It can't be worse than it was Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it's rock bottom. It's all up from here. So uh, that's it for us. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. This is 1% Better. We're back later this week with the subscriber exclusive podcast. So if you're not a subscriber, please join us. Uh, we'd love for you to join our coverage uh, that we're pretty proud of here at The Athletic Indiana and the entire Athletic Network. Thanks again. Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. This is 1% Better on The Athletic Indiana. <laughs>